Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAers. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions, uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming the weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about our HA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA or you've got a few recovery periods, we have your back and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show hey and welcome to the hypothalamic amenorrhea podcast an adulting advice podcast production i'm danny sheriff and this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly this podcast aims to educate inform and keep you motivated on your period and ha recovery track let's dive in And guys, please remember that I am not a doctor and nothing on this show should be taken as medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician. Hey lady, just a friendly reminder that the HA Society is open. It's open for two more days. It closes on the 14th. So if you want to come and join us, if you've been on the fence and now is your chance, it's thehasociety.com. Come on in. Hey guys, welcome back to the HA podcast. I'm excited today. I have a new guest. Her name is Dr. Heather Rhodes, and she's actually here to talk to all of you HAs about PCOS, which um, I think a lot of you know makes a lot of sense. There's a bunch of women listening right now who are unsure because their doctors, most doctors do tend to lean towards saying it's probably PCOS, and it causes confusion. 
in the world of getting a diagnosis. And I'm excited to have Heather on. I actually stumbled across her on Instagram and I asked her if she'd be on the show after much uh, <laughs> trouble scheduling. We're here and I'm pumped because she specializes in PCOS, has it herself, is passionate about her community of PCOSs, just like mm-hmm. we all are about um, HA. And even to this day, I think can relate because she never got an official diagnosis of her own from a medical professional, I believe, which is very relatable. So um, welcome to the show, Heather. How you going? Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I do think these topics are just so closely, closely related. And it's, I feel like I've also, I know I've also experienced phases in my life of both. So I'm excited to kind of talk about how they interrelate and how to know and what to do and all that good stuff. So I love it. Awesome. Yes. Perfect. Thank you. So you can totally understand just how many girls are like, oh, but what if it's this or have been told that it's this? And some girls literally might be listening for the first time, having gone down the path of PCOS and this is their first time visiting the HA diagnosis. So there's like such a mixed bag here. So a lot of people are really curious. So could you help us a little bit and tell us what in the world is polycystic ovarian syndrome? Yeah. So PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome is basically um, a condition where women for one reason or another are skipping ovulation. And so a lot of times we see that with PCOS, you have to have at least two of the three diagnostic criteria to receive an actual diagnosis from your provider. So what we're looking for when looking at diagnosis is elevated androgens such as testosterone or DHEA, um, abnormally irregular periods indicating that you're not ovulating on time, um, as well as the presence of cysts on your ovaries. The issue there is that two of those three diagnostic criteria require some pretty heavy like lab testing, ultrasounds, things like that. And so when we look at our healthcare system as a whole, for the most part, I'm definitely generalizing here, but the time and money to do all of those things, a lot of times just kind of gets avoided to save time and money unless you're actively trying to conceive. So if you've got that goal to get pregnant, then a lot of times doctors will say like, sure, we'll go in and and look at everything. But if you're just having irregular cycles or, you know, some of the symptoms of PCOS, I find it really rare that a doctor is going to go in and do all of that stuff to truly diagnose you. Um, We also see a lot of just kind of I want to call them like transient symptoms. So symptoms that kind of pop up and go away possibly, or aren't super consistent or that we wouldn't even correlate with PCOS unless we really put all the pieces together and realized what was happening. And so I think that's really important to recognize too, because it's my belief. And again, this hasn't been studied very, very well because a lot of the studies involving PCOS are in relation to either diabetes or conception. And so we don't see a lot of like just this general population that kind of floats in and out of PCOS like states. Um, but I do feel like there is this almost like a pseudo PCOS type of thing. And again, this is just totally my opinion and experience with the clients I've worked with where 
you're exhibiting PCOS symptoms. You may have like a month of no ovulation and possibly some cyst formation, but we're never confirmed it on ultrasound. And then things go totally back to normal. And then we float back into it. And so I see a lot of women kind of exist in this little like pseudo state. Um, and when we start talking about what's happening in the body, I can explain more on like why that happens and why I feel like that happens. But my like most general basic summary is I feel like PCOS is the state of having really sensitive hormones for one reason or another. And that sensitivity causes dysregulation in your ovulation and how it's happening. And is that a kind of why there's this idea that there can be a little bit of both HA and PCOS happening at the same time? Yeah, for sure. Because so there's, it's kind of like, did the chicken or the egg come first, right? So you have women with PCOS and when we look at them and we look at the patterns in their, um, basically their hypothalamic pituitary axis, as well as their hypothalamus pituitary ovary axis, we see changes in those in women that have PCOS. But then we come back to, you know, kind of that thought process of, well, can we super um, accurately differentiate people that just have HA and don't have PCOS or don't have PCOS symptoms versus people that have PCOS and don't have HA or HA symptoms. And so I think it's one of those things where, again, they're so interconnected. I almost see it in my brain as like a circle of like, you have PCOS that can activate um, HPA very easily and disrupt that. But then there's also symptoms of people with PCOS that have different interactions with their HPA axis. So it's kind of one of those things of like, I don't think there's enough solidarity in our testing to really be sure like, okay, yes, you cannot have both or you only have one right now or you only have one at this point in time. Um, so I kind of see, again, a lot of people just sort of floating in the middle and they're both in the same pool. Yeah. Okay. And I even personally have a client going through this exact thing. So I, I see I am, I'm aware. Yeah. So what do you do when you come across someone there? Because, and maybe you will talk a little bit about this too, but the recommended treatments for both are polar opposite. So when someone's displaying both, like what the hell do you do as your next step? Yeah. Yeah. So what I come back to is looking at, okay, what caused it's hard to know what cause, but essentially I'm thinking like, okay, what is our root cause of the dysfunction? Right. And so for some women, a lot of times the root cause of dysfunction is under eating over exercising, right? That's what we see so much, um, which actually can kind of shift your body into that HPA dysfunction as well as states of PCOS. And so you're kind of existing in both. And then when we think about like, okay, if we have PCOS, why do we have PCOS? There's basically four types of PCOS that indicate and kind of push us towards that root cause. And so we have um, inflammation-based, which is just a super high state of inflammation. Maybe it's from heavy metal buildup, from toxin exposure. Then we have adrenal-based, which is that activation of the cortisol system. Adrenal-based PCOS, I usually see is like so tightly linked to that HPA axis because anytime we're dealing with metabolic conditions where our body has activated that cortisol pathway to either lose weight or to get weight loss or, you know, some, for some reason, that's where they're really closely linked. 
the issue there is that when our adrenal system is activated and someone may be experiencing adrenal-based PCOS, that's also increasing inflammation. So now maybe we actually have inflammation-based PCOS, right? And then when we think about that, both of those things interact and change our insulin levels. So then we have an insulin resistant type of PCOS as well, which could possibly be like, okay, well, do we just naturally have some issues with insulin or has our insulin um, interaction changed based off of these other two types of PCOS and or types of really pathways that can lead us into PCOS. And so when we think about all of that put together, I feel like it, it can get really confusing of like, well, what do I do? And a lot of people base their PCOS treatment strategy on the type of PCOS they have. And I really like to encourage women, like let's hit our foundations first. And so I always stick with foundations first and foundations is basically, are you actively trying to lower inflammation? Are you intentionally providing your body the support it needs the hormone building blocks it needs, the nutrition requirements that it needs in order to appropriately rebalance hormones? Um, and are we helping your body stabilize blood sugar really in a way that's super effective and efficient for you? So very different than like, are you doing keto type of thing? And so when we look at those three pieces, a lot of times for, I mean, just for simplicity, something like it doesn't really matter what type you have. If you're doing all of those three things, you're hitting all of those types at once. And then if we dive really deep, because we're still having symptoms or things are still, you know, kind of wonky, we can look at, okay, is there a genetic disorder like MTHFR gene mutation? Is there possibly like some mental and emotional blocks or trauma that's manifesting some of these symptoms? Um, that your body's not responding to? Do we have a genetic component based off of how your body is interacting with insulin in general? And so I really say like, stick with your foundations first, and then you can dive deeper into a lot of those pieces. And I know when you mentioned, you know, the treatment for HPA and PCOS are very different. If you are to look up like mainstream treatment of PCOS, you're gonna see basically everything related to insulin interaction, insulin sensitivity and resistance, right? So we think about losing weight, cutting carbs, increasing, utilizing metformin or inositol. Um, and those are all things that change that insulin blood sugar interaction. But we have to remember that estrogen is one of the biggest players of insulin interaction in our body. And so if we're truly helping our body to support hormone balance, which it wants to do, it wants to balance your hormones, it will do that then you can naturally fix some of the estrogen issues, which naturally fixes some of the insulin issues. And a lot of times you have to do that first before you can even go after the weight loss diet component. Like, and that's where I feel like a lot of people get messed up is that they know with PCOS or they're told with PCOS, like you've got to lose weight, you've got to lose weight. Well, you can't lose weight if you haven't fixed your hormones. Like you can't, that's why people stay stuck. They just run through the cycle over and over of like, I lost weight and then I gained it back and then I lost weight and then I gained it back. And a lot of times it's because you never fix the underlying dysfunction that caused the weight to be there in the first place. And weight, extra weight is almost, almost always a symptom rather than a cause. And I think we're taught that it's a cause more than anything, which is why a lot of women don't experience that healing. Wow. There's a lot there. And I was writing down notes as you were talking. I was like, and I'm going to ask about this and I'm going to ask about that. Um, that's a, I, 
really appreciate this concept of like starting with the basics and that's what we talk about on the show all the time and that's where my gut went to with the whole with PCOS um HA confusion is like my view is that it's it feels particularly challenging because of all the people going down the HA recovery route of eat all of the junk and like load up on this stuff. And that's like an actual prescription by, you know, leaders in the space. And I think that's what causes a great deal of confusion because actually if we were to basically go back to our foundations and focus on like inflammation, cortisol, um, hormonal balance, getting the right nutrition in, with a slight emphasis or or an emphasis on higher caloric intake at the same time, then that's a recipe for it. Like, it doesn't matter what's going on for you right now. You're throwing all the right stuff at the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the pieces of that, that I just really think is important that sometimes is, is missed because I went through this again, like having both um, is that if you are not supporting your body when it's asking for support, then the ability to, so a lot of times we think that cravings and what we actually want to eat is just like something we decide in our minds almost. And so what I noticed was like, if I was going into a situation where I had something I love to eat, let's say for example, ice cream or whatever. And I was kind of doing this healing of like, okay, like I'm going to not restrict, I'm going to allow myself the foods I want, et cetera. Going into that from a standpoint of like, all I've been eating is like all the things and all the junk. It was so hard. And I just constantly felt like it was me. And like, why can't I do this? Why can't I have more restriction or regulation or whatever? When I started thinking like, Hey, what if I let myself have whatever I wanted? But before I did that, I made sure my body had something it needed and like supported it in that way, it changed the game completely. It was like this because I still wasn't restricting. I still wasn't like, I I wasn't like clean eating. Like I wasn't being crazy about it. I was just like, okay, cool. I'm going to go out with friends tonight. So instead of not eating anything, I'm actually going to have like a really great nutritious smoothie to get in a lot of veggies, a lot of fiber, some protein, So then when I go out, I can easily navigate this new freedom without my brain being in this animalistic instinctual mode to give me anything and everything that activates my craving center. And I think that's a really important piece. This is what I teach my women all the time, because a lot of times, like if you're overweight or have PCOS or have diabetes or metabolic disorders, is it important to not necessarily focus on weight, but to consider what you're putting in your body and how that's interacting with everything. Yeah, of course. But you can't even bring that clarity and that intentionality to the table if your body is still in a state of nutrient deficiency. And one thing I noticed when I was working with, I worked in a clinic in the doctor's office for a while, and I used to have to have meetings with every patient before they got bariatric surgery. That was like a requirement that the pharmacist have a meeting with them. And I would look at their blood work and it would be people who had like hundreds, like hundreds of pounds to lose. And they were having surgery to do it. And they had dieted and done all of this stuff, but their blood work looked like 
really nutriently like deprived. Like I would look at their blood work and be like, this person's severely malnourished, but obviously they didn't feel like that. And their doctors weren't telling them that that's what was happening because it was apparent their body was creating that excess weight and fat and whatever. And so that's when I really had my eyes open to like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like this is all a dysfunction. Like this is it. And like, I could teach them any of my patients, diabetes, PCOS, HA, like all the diet tools in the world. But if their body is still in that like activated survival mode, cravings are high, nutrient deficiencies are there. They're not working with their body and their body is like designed to fight whatever willpower is there because we're innately designed to do that so that we survive. Like their body is literally in this mode of like, you have to survive above all else. So it doesn't matter. And then we like bring on all this shame and guilt on ourselves of like, why can't I stick to it? Why can't I just eat in moderation? Why can't I do this? And it's because we've totally missed out on understanding how this pathway in our brain is working. And that pathway is meant to have nothing that overrides it until that nutrient or deficiency is met. Right. So you see a lot of people's body chasing something that they need and people are really just packing on these like empty calories and things that they don't need, which isn't solving the nutrient deficiency and the hormonal issue at its core. It's just giving people the excess energy. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And it's telling, it's trying to tell their body they're out of survival mode. Um, but what's happening is your body's trying to figure out, like, am I truly out of survival mode? Like, can I go back to adequate hormone production and reproduction, Mm -hmm. but then you're not giving your body what it needs to do that. So your body has to have certain things to make hormones and hormones aren't made out of sugar and carbs, right? Yeah. (laughs) Or matter like thin air. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, we've gone through this huge state of deprivation. Your body doesn't have anything it needs or it's lacking what it needs to make hormones. And first we've got to get your body to turn back on the signal of like, Hey, you can make hormones again. That's great. But once we turn on the machine, if we don't have the ingredients to make it, nothing's getting made. So we stay in that dysfunction. So that's why you've got to have both. You've got to give your body both that signal that says, Hey, you can start reproducing again, meaning like you can ramp up these hormones that you need as a female to make you feel better um, and have ovulation and, you know, really fight even disease. But if we don't, if your body's still missing those core nutrients that hormones are made out of, then we're still fighting ourselves and we're still, then your body's activating that craving center again and saying, you need to get more, you need to get more. It's just that that craving center isn't telling us, Hey, you need more healthy fats and omega threes. And these things that hormones are made of our craving center is saying, you need to eat more of whatever it is that satisfies me the most. And that usually goes, sends us right back into that you know, just kind of those foods that we restricted for so long. Mm-hmm. You know what this also brings up for me is like a, cause I'm, whenever I'm listening, I'm listening from also the side of like, okay, well, what objections would my ladies have? Right. And one that, sorry, if you can hear them cutting tiles in my yard, um, of course they are, but they're shivers. Where was I? Um, Okay. It's nearly there. The drawback. Right. So a lot of the message that we get when we first come into recovery is you've been so focused, not just on calorie restriction, but on clean eating. And many of the girls I work with, it was more of like a lots of fear foods, a clean eating situation. So what they're really trying to do is break that by having 
all of the foods that they once restricted. So sometimes that goes really well because the things that they restricted were healthy fats and good quality protein and that kind of thing. And they were like, you know, stuck in feeling like their version of healthy foods was low calorie things and low fat things. But more often, you know, girls were eating those things, but they just were having a caloric deficit or over-exercising or just hyper-focused and neurotic about the things that they could eat. And so they they turn to this thing of like all the unrestricted, all the, all of the foods that I once said no to, which I fully get and has its merit, but I love what you said about, and it's basically what I've been trying to say forever, right? Which is have the things that you want, but don't forget about the things that you need at the same time and like find a balance there. And it's such a challenge for so many women, but I'm relatively certain it's the way. Yeah. Yeah, I fully believe that. And especially being someone who fought, I mean, so I went from like HA to the, everything you mentioned was me. I was neurotic. I was measuring stuff. I was crazy. I've done, I've done every diet out there. Totally. Um, and I actually went in and out of HPA dysfunction, like, I mean, probably three times in like a five-year span. Um, and within that, I will say, and then binge eating disorder was a thing. And it's funny when you mention those healthy fats, because we know, you know, something like omega-3s, healthier plant-based fats are so good. And mine was peanut butter. And like, I kid you not, I couldn't have peanut butter like in my house when I was going through all my dysfunction because I'd eat the entire jar. And so we would think like, oh, that's really good for us. Right. But, you know, obviously not your body really wants that balance. And it wants that kind of like moderation but here's what happens is we we my friend elizabeth from a woman of wellness she's so helpful she talks about this from a food freedom perspective of like we basically exist on this pendulum of like total control total like we are measuring things we are being like nutso and then we just swing all the way over and then we freak out when we get over here to this total freedom range and then we think we need to go all the way back and so she talks about how like each time we basically kind of take that swing. We get less, we go less and less as far until eventually we end up in the middle. And that was one thing that helped me so much was really bringing that knowledge and understanding to like, what is my brain doing? What is my body doing? Like, what is happening here? And then just setting some goals for myself of like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to go to the store and buy, you know, the ice cream or the Oreos or whatever. But for every one of those things I buy, I'm going to also grab like something that sounds really good, like a super quote unquote healthy treat, right? Like a vegetable or whatever. Um, and then I also knew, I mean, I had to create this idea for myself that I would eat intentionally before I got hungry, knowing my binge triggers. This is kind of how I recovered from binge eating. Um, and, and would do it really intentionally. So that way, if I did decide like, Hey, I'm going to have some peanut butter. And every time I would open it, I'd be like, I'm just going to have like one scoop, but you know, in the middle of intense nutrient deficiency, my one ends up to seven. And the whole time my brain is like, don't do it. Why are you doing this? But then like my body can't stop. That's that animalistic thing. And so once you recognize that's what's happening, you can actually turn that signal off by going into that situation fed. 
like that's all you have to do is eat <laughs> right and uh-huh. so uh-huh. he was like I don't know what I, I don't care what I eat but I know like if I'm gonna have something that's kind of a trigger for me then I'm gonna eat something before um same thing with like going to social events that was always a really hard thing for me in recovery and I just decided like even if I'm not hungry, I'm going to intentionally eat something before I go into this, because I know that's how my brain works. Um, I know that's how my body works. I know that's the pathway that's happening. So I think the more and more we can learn about how our body works, the more we're able to really like take on this new journey. Obviously it still takes grace and we're going to mess up, but knowing when we mess up, like, Hey, if we go all the way back to full control, we're just going to, I want to say like screw things up more, right? Because our body is getting so many mixed signals with us. So we need to just say, how can I do a little bit of adjusting, a little bit of adapting to prevent this from happening next time? Um, And that was really, really helpful for me. Yeah. And I can really relate to everything you said. I, I feel like I went through as well. And I see a lot of people also go through the pendulum swing and I try to let people know that like this is a natural part of your process because a lot of girls get guilt and shame for going like uh, for taking their sort of obsessive personality almost and applying it to recovery and not being this like perfect, wonderful person who just was able to go from not well to a fully balanced and on their way to recovery. It's like, no, you know, this is just kind of, the process of learning it's like learning anything you at first you can't do it very well and then and then you learn some stuff and you become really hooked on it and then it starts to become something that you're slowly getting more educated on which is like why I have this show right why we do what we do in our communities is to provide a bit of information and support and insight for people along the way so they don't have to feel like alone about it but they also we're encouraging you to not become obsessed like y'all don't have to listen every day or every week if you don't want to right right. yeah and I see that happen a lot in the PCOS community too because they have all of these troubles symptoms um problems in terms of headaches and crazy PMS and the excess weight but then that like plummets their energy and so they have all of these other things they're trying to heal and all they're being told over and over again is lose weight and it'll all get better and like that's not the case at all it's actually so counter that um it's support your body it's heal your body it's like give your body what it needs to fix your hormones and then when you do that tell people all the time like weight loss can be easy if you really need it or want it. Like, it's not like weight loss has to be bad. Right. But like you, we just approach it from such a wrong standpoint in the U S and I think it's because again, like so many medical studies have showed us like, well, weight loss or weight causes this and weight causes this and obesity causes this. But then there's this whole other component of like, well, how do we know this is the cause or is it the underlying dysfunction that caused the weight gain? That's truly the cause of all of these other problems. Yeah. You know, I did an episode with, uh, I think it was on her show though, with Lisa Hendricks and Jacks of Fertility Friday. And she had, you know, the exact same thing to say. And I just, we were talking about this, this topic of PCOS versus HA and exactly what you're saying. Like who said that's actually like what's causing it? 
It's not. I know it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy, but yeah. And so that's one of the things that, you know, women with PCOS, I try to teach them is like, I know your doctor's yelling at you to lose weight. I know he's telling you that's the answer. I know they've done studies to show that losing 5% of body weight can increase fertility or whatever, but like you can't get there until we heal, heal like the underlying imbalance. And the other thing that I think women don't understand enough, which is a little different than HPA because with HPA, like or HA, we have a lot of these things happening with our brain, right? And, and it's a lot of it's happening in our brain, which is pieces of that are happening in PCOS um, because obviously our brain controls everything our bodies do. However, there's still like this desire. So everything your brain is doing and everything your body is doing, they're still trying to get you back into balance. When you're actively in HA, your body's trying to get you healed and enough nutrients so that you can keep your heart beating. When you're just experiencing PCOS or maybe haven't floated all the way over there, your body's trying to get your hormones rebalanced. It's trying to get things back in alignment, back to balance. So that way we don't have the issues with the weight and the insulin and all these other pieces. It's just that I don't think women are taught that they think they have to have like so much control and do all of these things to fix it that we don't even like allow our body the chance to get back into balance like it wants to. We're actually so obsessed with controlling our, our body and every, like, this is a total, this is what I do. I get like inspired by a topic and it goes wild, but, um, I, I can't help I'm pregnant right and I can't help but notice like all these you just hear so much about parenting and and like oh I'm not I don't know what to do and like I can't believe people are letting me take this child home and like why would humans be the only people who are unable to trust in their body and their instincts like watch a flower grow in the ground like even look at the process of conception and and building a baby right you barely did anything all you have to do is give it the nourishment it needs just like a garden it just needs soil it needs some good soil it needs some good water and it's going to be good to go we're so so similar we're more complex but we're so similar and we're just obsessed with this idea that, that like there should be a protocol and a like an instruction manual that comes with our bodies and it's like no like back to the basics yeah and you're and gonna be good really, a lot of times the only reason we feel like we need that is because we've gotten so disconnected with our intuition and our instincts I feel like humans are like one of the only species that like our intuition and instinct means nothing to us and but I also think that's fairly new because if you think about a lot of the things that like I don't know. I think about like my great grandparents and like generations before that, like they were doing a lot of things that were really like helpful for their body. And even like thinking about, um, sorry, now you've got me kind of on a trail, but you know, back in older times when like women, like the fertility goddesses and like the women that had the bigger hips and the more curves and like basically better protection for, for their baby makers were more, um, considered more attractive and like basically people like desired them more because they were like you know it showed it was naturally attractive to them to feel like oh well they are going to be more fertile and that's so important to us right and so I think about that and I'm like man 
it's not like they knew all of that stuff about like, well, here are the ovaries and here's why you have extra fat here. And here's, it was just this natural human instinct of like the males, like the girls that had what they needed to reproduce. And so I think that like our culture and society has like shifted us so far the other way that we don't even trust that what we feel matters that we can trust our hunger signals we believe that you know if we don't have that control we'll just weigh 300 pounds and i think that's really been a product of a fear-based healthcare system which is what i see a lot now of course so like going to pharmacy school working inside the doctor's offices working alongside drug companies what i've seen is that that whole industry and how just loud it's gotten in terms of like what health is and what healthier is, I feel like has so disserviced our body's natural functions. And there are so many things. My parents have um, bred dogs. So like they, like the, they've um, like had puppies and everything. And like just watching that process and what the moms know to do and how they do everything. And then understanding like the chemical, biological, physiological processes that happen because the dog did that. And no one taught her to do that. And I'm like, man, humans are like, 50 times more intuitive and instinctual than that. We just have lived so long in a society that that's been silenced that all we hear is the opposite. No, I know. I fully, like this bothers me every single day to no end. And I see other animals like birds building nests, sitting on their egg. How do you know that you need to sit on that egg? You just know. And I come across so many girls too, and this isn't everyone, but it was me. Like, I didn't know what HA was, but I did know why I lost my period. You know, I like that was extremely intuitive to me. Yeah. Oh, I'm probably working out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I had to dive more into it to understand further. But at an instinctive level, I knew that I, my behavior was not conducive to having a period. Yeah. 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 And I tell this with my women a lot. Like there's two things involving instinct that... I really encourage women to do. One of them is just take that time. We're so fast. Just take that time to sit and think about what is my body asking for? What is it doing? And just write it down. It doesn't mean you have to act on it. That's the thing is we all get too afraid to act on it because we're like, what if I'm wrong? And then I do this and then this happens. But like, don't even let those thoughts come to you. Just write down what you think your body needs. Like, what is that deep, deep, like, thing and it's deep but it's it's there and we all know when it's there I'm sure you know what I'm talking about it's like so deep and it's quiet and it's like at the very bottom but we just kind of keep going back to it and thinking maybe that's it maybe that's it and tell people to write that down to do it like every time you do what I call a trigger exercise where you think about a symptom and you're like what's causing it how can I fix it just do this for a couple minutes and see what happens and what comes up and a lot of times we start to see the same thing come up over and over and over again I tell women to go after that The second thing I talk about in terms of our instinct a lot of times is what is that thing that you are so avoiding with your control efforts? So like for me, it was rest. It was slow. It was like anything that was lowering stress signals to my body is what I was fighting against and was so resistant to. And that is actually exactly what my body needed the most. And so I tell people to think about what they're resisting the most, because here's the thing, if we want change, 
we have to go down a different pathway. So our brain basically creates these roads and that's what our habits are, right? We go from point A to point B and the more we do it, the bigger, stronger, more paved, more magnetizing that road is. If we want to experience something different, we have to go down a different road in our brain. We have to do a different pattern, but that's going to be the most resistant path. So our body naturally is going towards the most comfortable path, but if we want change, we have to go towards the most resistant path. So I tell people all the time, like, like for me, one of those things I was resisting besides eating more and stopping dining was yoga. I was like, no way. Like I hate it. It's so uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah. But like, I think about it. I'm like, that is what my body needed more than anything in that time. And so anytime someone's resisting something really, really strongly, I tell them like, okay, that means you have to push in. Like that is the spot you have to push in because if you're trying to control it that much, it means that essentially that's the place you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck if you actually make a change because it's going to be so starkly different than what you're doing your body's going to have to change and readjust and it doesn't want to do that because it thinks that's wasted effort but it needs to do that um i i love that like that piece because every time it's it's been true in business it's been true in weight it's been true in like so many areas even for my kids it's, it's yeah Do you ever feel like this whole HA thing is extremely lonely? Well, that is because it can be, but it does not have to be. When I was going through HA, I spent ages and ages combing through the internet looking for information, resources, and just people who I could relate to about HA. And it really slowed down my progress and made my progress take a while because I was having a hard time connecting the dots and trusting that I really needed to make changes and heal my reproductive health. I definitely wish this podcast existed back then, but it did not. And I honestly feel like, well, felt like, sorry, not feel like that I didn't even work out that much. Like I was not that small and like I didn't actually fit the bill for someone who quote unquote should have this type of problem and after a few years of healing research and experiencing almost every single up and down that you could possibly experience at least that's how it felt it was clear to me um, that my next step to kind of give back and to change the just the challenges that are in our way with HA is to the time is to the time is here to create a space for women who are in this same boat, a place for women to go to who are experiencing exactly what I experienced. And so today that place is called the HA Society. And the idea for the HA Society was to be more than just another Facebook group. I wanted to create a place with actual interaction that has face-to-face calls, that has a one-on-one coaching for everyone inside if they need it, and a place where the experts and practitioners come to you, not the other way around, you Googling everything and you know listening to a million quadrillion different podcasts trying to find answers. I wanted somewhere where the answers are going to come to you. And with that, <laughs> the AJ Society is open today. Woo! We actually open once a month on the new moon. 
and only for a few days. So make sure that you get in quick before it closes. We close each month so that myself and co-coach Ashley can focus wholeheartedly on the group for the remaining three and a half weeks that the group is closed for. So make sure you don't miss your chance to come on in. And when you're when you join, you'll be greeted by yours truly. And you'll be able to start registering for upcoming events, all of which are included in your membership and all of the community calls. And you can dive into the replays of the past community calls, which is kind of like getting a whole bunch of extra podcast episodes to listen to. And you get to binge the early access episodes of the HA podcast that are not out yet as well. We also have a resource library that I started back in April. And in there you'll find information about HA mindset and tutorials on things like fertility awareness tracking for HAs, just to name a few. We're always adding to it. So what you're waiting for? The HA Society is open right now and ready for you to dive into the content, chat one-on-one with me as much as you would like, and most of all, start making connections, feeling the support and the love and getting back, getting that period back on track. Whether you're in HA right now or you've had your first few periods and you want to get things optimized this society this group of women are for you and they're cheering you on the whole way it's really really amazing community in there and I cannot wait for you to come on in and meet everyone and make some serious progress so go to thehasociety.com to sign up or the link is here in the show notes and I'll see you guys on the other side I love where this whole conversation is going. It's like, (laughs) we've like moved on from PCOS and getting to like root cause stuff. Like, let's be real. Yeah, yeah. Um, And what you're talking about here, like what are you actually holding back from doing? This is, and my clients, if they're listening, you're going to laugh. But most of them, we've been through this. And this is from a book called uh, Pussy, A Reclamation. And it's like listening to your vagina. And so I'm always like, what would your vagina say it wants to do today? Like tapping into that femininity that so many of us, especially in the HA space, I'm not sure about the PCOS space, but probably both are like very taking this masculine energy towards our bodies of like, no, like control. And I shouldn't have that. And I can't do this. And it's like, I need to go for a run or I need to work out today. And well, what if you just asked your body or in particular your vagina what it wanted to do today, what do you think it would say? And it's actually really, there are, there are times if everything's in alignment when it would be like, my vagina says like, let's do this, you know, like let's work yeah. out. Um, and then there's going to be a lot of times where it says, nah. <laughs> I'm, good. I'm good girl, not today. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. It's It's just like a really good way to, easily and simply sort of like shift your perspective to get into the headspace that we need to be in. Yeah, I love that. And I definitely think what I see in a lot of my clients too, especially the ones that have, so I I see kind of this twofold. I see people that have PCOS and it truly is this like root cause, something deep, patterns, habits, types of food, like just non-intentionality with what their body needs. And then I see this whole other camp of women that have PCOS. And it's very much that, like you mentioned, like masculine energy, like control. 
and dieting and stress and like they're doing everything possible and their body won't heal. So both camps aren't applying intentional hormone support, but they're in literally two different spaces of doing it. One is just like, I've never been taught this. I don't know this. No one has ever told me anything different and everything I've been told to try, I do, but it doesn't work. The other is like, I've tried to control everything. I've tried to do everything. Nothing's working. What do I need to do? And it's like, the steps are the same for both. But what I see is such stark, like, I don't want to say personality differences, but I, I, um, like to study the Enneagram a lot. I don't know if you have, but like, I almost always I've never to everyone's dismay. I have no idea what my number is. So it basically just like helps people understand motivations for behavior. And I tend to see the same type of people end up in this HA camp with PCOS with really all of my clients with hormone issues. Um, and it's, it's just so interesting because we all have these like innate tendencies and habits that I see over and over again, like high achievers, type A, very performance driven, like it's kind of results driven, efficiency driven. It's kind of like I see a lot of these um, personality traits come out and they are a lot of times women that in, if you look at all the areas of their lives tend to operate more in masculine energy versus feminine energy. Um, which then we think about, okay, well, we're shutting down a energetically like feminine based system, right? Like that's what ovulation is and fertility is. And so I just, I think it's really interesting to like see that and, and helping women understand exactly what you were mentioning of like, well, how do we, you know, connect back with our body and with our intuition and like, how do we practice this in multiple areas? Cause I know we've talked mostly about food there are so many other ways that that, you know, plays out. And so even if it comes down to like, well, I need to take my kids shopping today and we need to get everything on the list and blah, blah, blah. But then I'm like, you know, but what if you just played outside with them today and did a lot of imaginative play? And like, yes, I mean, it's so it's like we see it in every area. And so you actually start healing your hormones and your PCOS and your AHA by engaging in these really just like naturally relaxive things. And so one more piece to this is that when we think about our body's core design and function, number one is cortisol driven. Um, And that is like adrenaline, norepinephrine, testosterone, cortisol. It's to keep our heart beating. That's like your body's number one core function. The second piece is to reproduce. So estrogen, progesterone, LH, FSH, all that is to reproduce. So when we think about that, our body's meant to have this like underlying what we would, you could essentially equate to being masculine energy, which is that like cortisol stress system, and then a really strong feminine system. And they're supposed to actually kind of exist in balance for women because men don't have this second piece, right? But what happens a lot of times is that when we see our female reproductive system kind of get haywire and get off balance and get thrown off, what that actually means is that we've got too much of this stress input. And that could be really similarly equated to that masculine energy. So there's too much um, just input signals coming into our brain that's taking away from our time, that's requiring more of us, that's stressing us out on a physiological level, not even mental and emotional which usually requires us to shut down emotions. It's basically like this entire deficiency of all the things that our estrogen and progesterone help us with, even from a mentality standpoint, because progesterone's job is to shut down and keep in balance that cortisol system. 
And so the cortisol system, the quote unquote masculine energy is like, Hey, we are now dominant. So we're just going to like shut you down. And they do that because it knows this progesterone will come in and shut it down. And so it says, well, we need as much as we can have. So like, we don't need you anymore. And so a lot of times when we really focus in on like, how do I get more in touch with that side and help support those hormones? We see it naturally kind of go back into that balance where they're existing really well. And that's actually a piece of what restores, you know, hormone balance. Um, and that goes all the way back to things like libido and the uh, impact. One of this is so interesting because you're talking about that book. One of the like most intense cortisol lowering activities ever is an orgasm. So when they like look at how those, that suppression works, we think like, okay, I'm going to lower cortisol by meditating, which is great. You get like 10 times that benefit from an orgasm. So it's very much like, I don't know. It just like all played into what we were talking about with the energies and like control and essentially like your body's core design and how bad it wants to be in balance. And when we shut that down in every area, not just food, we start to see a lot of things kind of get imbalanced, but it's very possible to bring it back to that balance. Yeah. There was so much stuff there. Um, first of all, I love bringing it to the orgasm because when you think about people talk about mental meditations hard, like I just, I trail off, I can't do it, can't bring my mind back. But when you're trying to have an orgasm, regardless if it's sex, if it's by yourself, um, and you catch your mind wandering, you're very good at bringing it back because the goal, the goal is to like get to the end, which you can't do if you're not bringing your mind back. It's really, really hard, possibly impossible. It's hard for me to, um, to get the result you're looking for if your mind is everywhere else yeah. right so I love that it's like a good tip yeah. um and what you were explaining it just it just reminds me of you know I'm always talking to these girls in the western world like we're all white we're all in the same few countries really dealing with these same issues so, I mean, that's interesting, but like, there is this theme of you should be successful. You should have a good career. You should be fit and look like a model. You should have a certain amount of money. You should have the perfect partner and thus the perfect family. And there's just like, whoa, expectations. So no wonder we're living our life on this to-do list and we're putting the grocery shopping first before going outside with the kids, like you were saying, and we need to be more aware of the world that we're living in, what it's causing us to focus on, and then what it's causing to what it take what's taking away from us. Yeah, and that reminds me, I went on a um, on a mission trip to like a medical mission trip to Guatemala, and every like third person was pregnant. They were getting pregnant while breastfeeding. They were, I mean, they were, they were so fertile, but then we were also seeing a lot of diabetes, a lot of inflammation. Like it, it made me realize for a second, like what if diet isn't the whole issue? Like what if diet's just a piece of it? And because their lives aren't filled, sure they have stress, but their day-to-day -day isn't filled with all the stress inputs we have. They don't have technology. They don't have social media. They don't like, they're literally just like hanging out with each other, outside family, their children. Yeah. Walking, like doing all of these really like 
I say low stress, meaning not that they don't feel emotional stress and they don't have like, you know, those types of their own problems, like, cause they do. Right. But it's more so like their day-to-day activities aren't providing a lot of stress input from a physiological standpoint to their body. I think about that. And I remember, and I think they spend a lot more time in gratitude in a lot of these cultures. I would, I mean, every time I've, I've done a trip, like the humility and the grace and like the kindness and yeah, so grateful. So like socially, um, just different, like as a complete stranger, they want to like hug me and thank me and touch my hands. And like, it's just so different. And, and it's, and they do it to each other too. It's not like I was something special. It was just like, you can tell in that culture that they are more in touch with those like social interactive, like face-to-face. I don't know. It's just so different. And I just remembered thinking like, if someone was in the U S eating, what I know was a lot of their diets, we would be like, oh my gosh, they could have so many like fertility issues and all this stuff. And I was like, but what if it's not the diet at all? Like, what if it really is that like compound issue? Yeah. Yeah. But like your body can compensate the inflammation and the blood sugar issues that come with a bad diet when you have other pieces, um, you know, such as interaction and relationships and healthy emotional status. And, you know, just like those basic things, being outside, rising and sleeping with the sun, so much lowered stress input. Um, and again, I mean that stress, I don't ever want to like minimize the complication and the hard that comes from their situations as well, but more so stress from a standpoint of like what their body is actually going through day to day. They're, they're actually living a lot more in alignment with kind of like that primal design of our bodies, which we have to remember, like we live in bodies that have basically functioned the same and have the same pathways and mechanisms as when, as a species, we lived outside in like caves. And so everything that our body does from a physiological standpoint still aligns with things that it needed to have in place, pathways, survival mechanisms, changes, when we didn't have lights and homes and technology and social media and everything. And so I think that's another piece that as women, we sometimes forget and think it's us and ourselves. And it's like, no, 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 like you just live in a body that's living in a technological age that was designed to really like function and thrive in like a paleolithic age. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely like to help women understand that whole piece of it too, that yeah, diet nutrition matter, but there's so much else. Yeah. I love this. Okay. I feel like the takeaways from this episode today are pretty clear and it's not, Oh, go get like this specific test done and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Y'all know how to figure that out. It's, um, look at your basics. Like what are you doing to support yourself? what are you overly focused on what small or large you know areas of your life are you not giving focus to which is basically like love joy fun sunshine that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and yeah like getting back in touch with your femininity and your life and feeling more feelings (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And I think from like the PCOS standpoint, because I know we started there, it's really kind of trying to do that analysis. And I would assume that most of your listeners probably aren't in that camp of PCOS of like, hey, I have it and I just don't know how to be intentional with it. They may be, but I think more are probably like, yeah, I may have kind of moved 
into this state of PCOS or this, you know, transient condition of PCOS because of my over control and some of the adrenal based activation that's been happening. And so we simply want to recognize that like, Hey, that's the case. So we need to support your hormones and we need to recognize that that's going to be your body's default, right? So like once you know, Hey, my body defaults to, um, stopping ovulation, possibly gaining weight, possibly, you know, disrupting hormone balance, then we know, okay, so when you start seeing some of those symptoms, like for me, I feel like I'm fully recovered from both PCOS and HA. However, I, I know that's what my body wants to go back to because that's how it survived when things got hard. And so what I look for are some of those symptoms. So like anytime I start seeing like maybe some acne around my chin or jawline or my sleep starts getting disrupted, I kind of know like, Hey, you're doing a little bit too much. Like, Hey, you need to pull back or you need to increase. So for example, to heal, I had to kind of cut out CrossFit, which was something I loved and was like doing a lot when I was deep into my disordered problem. Um, and now I, I do it again and I, I brought it back in such a different capacity and I know like, okay, I know my hormones in my body. So I know if I were to go and do the same weights or compete or get my heart rate up like crazy, I'm going to have trouble like sleeping and like my hormones are going to get off balance. And I know that so much that to me, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let me do it and just like modify it and do it how I want. And if my body starts giving me those signs, I'm just going to eat more before I go or afterwards. Like it, it's so just like practical and manageable now. And I just want women to know like that is so possible. You don't have to give up everything forever mm -hmm. to be healed. It's like you've gained all this information now that you know what your body pat like kind of shifts towards in terms of patterns and survival mechanisms. And all you have to do is like, reshift it back when you start yeah. seeing those signs pop up. We're just doing like a hard reset and then you can work back to where you're supposed to be uh, in a different way. 100%. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, we are pretty much almost out of time and I love everything like the way that this conversation went is so my style. I know there's also going to be some girls listening who are like, yeah, but, but give me them rebalancing tips so <laughs> I'm thinking of asking you to come back for a part two at yeah. some point and we can talk we can just be like okay and here's what you do <laughs> or something yeah, 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 yeah. I would love that but anyways thank you so much where can people get in touch with you yes so I do actually have two freebies that may be great for your audience I have, yes one that is your next best steps which is giving you the first three steps to hormone support and how to do them um, the next one is overcoming overwhelm with PCOS nutrition. So because everybody's telling you to lose weight, the noise is so loud around what you should do with nutrition in terms of PCOS. And so that would be a great place to start. Nothing's restrictive. It's all about adding simple swaps. It is very much coming from a mindset of someone who understands the kind of mind tricks that our brain plays on us to lead us into some of disordered eating patterns when we have PCOS. So it's very much the opposite of those types of strategies. And so you can grab both of those on my website, www.drheatherroads.com. And then I hang out on Instagram the most, and I'm just at Dr. Heather Rhodes on Instagram. Um, I do have a Facebook group. It is Hormones Simplified. And so you can just search that in Facebook and join us there. Um, there's really great discussions that go on there. And yeah, that would be the best place to connect. 
Awesome. I'm going to put all of that stuff in the show notes so you guys can go in and just click. Thank you, Heather. I'm glad we got to do this. I appreciate you. you. I loved it. Yay. Thank you. And bye everyone. Have a good day. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.